Hey everybody, uh, good to see you all. Um, we are wrapping up our series called Jesus Followers. And the big question is, who are you following? Who do you want to become? Um, one of the things my wife, lovely wife, bring me water right now. Thanks, babe. Uh, what she does with our kids is, you know, the first day of school, she always asks them, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they hold up the, the signs. How many of you guys do that? Where you like hold up the signs, ask your kids what they want to be. I think, Josh, I think we have the pictures. Um, no, we don't have the pictures. Okay, well, you can use your imaginations and, uh, of the pictures. So on the first day of school a couple years ago, uh, my son Joshua, he held up his sign and said, uh, what do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be a pastor. And, oh, super cute. And then Becca held up her sign, first day of school. What do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be a teacher. That's awesome. I love that. And then Andrew, first day of preschool, he held up his sign, and it said, what do I want to be when I grow up? And his answer, a lizard. <laughs> so I don't know why. Um, I, I've always wondered, though, maybe Chris had misheard him and he wanted to be a wizard. I don't know. But, but I don't think so. He wanted to be a lizard. So I love that. Um, kids are, you know, you know, we like to ask kids, like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And kids always have different funny answers. I heard someone uh, sharing a story uh, one time about their friend was a teacher in an inner city school. And she was doing that same exercise with, with her kids, like, hey, you know, first week of school, draw a picture of kind of who do you want to be when you grow up? Like, kind of, you know, what, what do you want to be? And so the kids all around the classroom, they got their crayons out, and, and they're drawing, you know, one's drawing an astronaut, and, you know, one's drawing a football player, a basketball player, you know, a, a policeman, whatever that might be. And one kid was just sitting there, and, and he couldn't fill out anything. And so the teacher came to him and said, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? And he's like, I, I, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I can't think of anything. And she's like, hey, you know, it can be anything. The sky's the limit. Pick, you know, you can dream as high as you want. Pick that thing that you want to be when you grow up. As she collected the papers at the end of class, she saw that, that little boy had drawn a pizza delivery person. Nothing wrong with that. But she's like, that's kind of strange. That, that, like, this high as you dream, why, why, would she, why would he pick a pizza delivery person? And so she called that student's uh, mom that night and just, hey, you know, we did this exercise in class, and here's what your student Drew was a pizza delivery person. And she said, you know, well, why is that? And, and his mom said, oh, I think I know why. See, his dad's in prison, and he, he never sees him. And his uncle is a pizza delivery person. And he thinks that the best he can reach is to be a pizza delivery person. And again, nothing wrong with that career, but she realized in that moment, man, my job, my my calling is to show my kids that the future is bright with possibilities, that they can dream beyond even what they see, their uncles or their dads or uh, whoever in their life might be. That she said, you know, my dream is to show them that we can create the future, that there is possibilities, that there is a hope for you. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we have that similar calling to show that we don't have to stay trapped in our past or just kind of the family uh, dynamics of the situation you come from, that the future is bright with possibilities. Here's what Pastor Erwin McManus, pastor of Mosaic Church in L.A., he says it this way. He says, your future will either be created or you'll be a prisoner of your past. You're either going to work with God to help create a future full of possibilities and hope, or you will remain a prisoner of your past. So you can't step into your future if you're filled with fear. You can't step into your future if you're filled with doubt. But there's so much uncertainty going on right now. 
How do we know if we're making the right decisions? Well, I think every time you step into a decision fueled by faith, you're making the right decision. Every time you make a decision fueled by hope, you're making the right decision. Every time you make a decision fueled by love, that's the right decision. So the question is, whose footsteps are you following? The way of Jesus is the way of faith and hope and love. And my encouragement is that that is the way that we are following. We're in this series called Jesus Followers, and kind of our theme verse, we're going to go through this again. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says this. And we've learned that Jesus is both teacher and Lord. And as our great teacher, he says this to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How good is that? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we've talked about how Hebrew rabbis would have this yoke. It was their, their system of teaching, their way of doing life. And Jesus says, my way of doing life, my system of teaching, it's light. Jesus has a yoke and he has also apprentices. He said it's the Hebrew word talmudim. Talmudim, which sometimes is translated as disciples. I think another great word is apprentice, someone who's walking in those footsteps. We said, you know, oftentimes they would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, that you're following so close behind that, that you're becoming just like him. And we kind of said that our big three ideas for this series is to be a Talmudim, to be an apprentice of Jesus, is to organize our life around these three basic goals, to be with Jesus. We talk about that, that I am the vine, you are the branches, and we need to be plugged in, we need to be connected with Jesus to become like Jesus. We talked about last week how, you know, for a vine to flourish, they have to have kind of the trellis, the system, and, and these spiritual practices are what way we can do that. We want to have intentional spiritual development, not unintentional. We, we want to, uh, you know, let the Holy Spirit be the dominant influence in our life, not our environment around us. And then finally, that we would do what he would do if he was in our steps today. Because, you know, sometimes it's hard to think. Jesus was a single man 2,000 years ago living in first century Palestine. But what we want to ask is, you know, what would Jesus do? How would he live if he was an engineer living in Maple Grove? How would Jesus live and act if he was a college student today? How would Jesus live if he was a school teacher? That's the questions we want to be asking. We want to be, become, and do. Jesus, when he bursts onto the scene as this brand new rabbi, one of the first things he did was he called men and women to come follow him to be his disciples. And I love the Gospels, tells these stories that he'd walk up to these fishermen, you know, Peter and his brother, Andrew and James and John, and he would say, hey, come follow me. And we said the reason that was such a big deal was because, you know, everyone went to school, but only the best went on to the next level, and the best of the best went on to the next level, but only the best of the best of the best would become disciples of some rabbi. And so these young men who were fishermen, or Matthew, who was a hated tax collector, taking revenue for the foreign occupying empire, you know, to fund their soldiers, when Jesus says, hey, come follow me, and they're saying, whoa, what? I thought I was pastored by every single rabbi, but now you're saying I have the opportunity, and you believe in me to become like you? See, when Jesus says, come follow me, he's saying, I believe in you, that you can do what I am going to do. And once that finally hit me, it makes so much sense that when Jesus is walking on the water towards his disciples in a boat, and Peter says, if it's really you, then invite me out there. Because what he's saying is, 
well, you invited me to follow you, which means you said I can do everything you can do. So if you're walking on water, then you believe that I can walk on water. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he actually walks on water with his rabbi, but then he loses faith. Does he lose faith in Jesus? I don't know. He loses faith that he is the kind of person that can be like Jesus. And Jesus says, don't you get it? You of little faith. I believe in you. And so Jesus, he, he, he calls kind of the people that were on the outskirts of society, the tax collectors, the broken, uh, the zealots, the fishermen, and, and they start following him. And, and, and what did Jesus do then? Matthew 9, 35-38. says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. It's kind of like uh, little mini churches that were separate from the temple. They'd be teaching there and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is saying, man, there's so much hurting, so much brokenness, but God's kingdom has come near and we need more workers. We need more disciples. Pray that God will send more disciples. And God answered that prayer. We are the answer of that prayer. That we are in that long line of Jesus followers stretching back 2,000 years. And these apprentices start to, to follow Jesus. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Matthew, Judas. And they start to live with him for three years. And, and they start to act like him. They get up in the morning and they pray just like Jesus they live in community with Jesus and others, learning how to give and take and, and share. They practice radical hospitality. They practice Sabbath keeping from Friday night till Saturday night. They begin to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And over time, as they follow in the dust of the rabbi, as they, as they model Jesus' life of, of silence and solitude and, 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 and speaking up for the broken and the hurting, eventually these, these men and then women, they start to change and they start to become like Jesus. And then Jesus starts to send them out. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, see that sick woman over there? Why don't you go pray for her? Andrew, uh, you know what? See that demonized man over there? That's all you, buddy. And it's like, what? You know, and it's like, Matthew, we've got some extra money that people have collected. That person over there, they're in need. Go share some of our money with them. And Jesus starts empowering them to do kingdom work. And then he eventually sends them out. Matthew 10, verse 1 through 8, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Not yet. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. She says, you've been called. You've been adopted now freely as you have been given. Freely give away. Freely as you receive, freely give. And they go out, and there's some stories that they go back, and they come, they say, we saw Satan fall from the sky, and we're so excited, and he's like, that's awesome. But you know what? The thing to be confident in is not that, that you did all these works, but that, that you have salvation, that you know me. And then Jesus, our teacher and our Lord, he goes to the cross, and their hopes are dashed, and they all run away. And there, Jesus dies. John's the only one there at the cross, and they bury him, and all their hopes are 
dead, and they think their rabbi is, is dead, and this is gone, and there's no hope. And then three days later, the lion bursts forth from the grave, and all their hopes are renewed and restored. And he spends 40 days teaching and giving final instructions, and here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, just before he ascends into heaven. He says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Judas had betrayed him, and he's no longer with them. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that. There's, there's still doubters that are welcome to be with Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make Talmudim, go and make disciples, apprentices of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Jesus ascends into heaven and he passes these marching orders on to his disciples who pass them on to their disciples and on to us. So what does that mean for us? Well, you know, I think you follow almost any common business coach, uh, some simple wisdom of being someone's apprentice is really the same model that Jesus used. There's kind of four stages of apprenticeship. And it starts with I do, you watch. It says as a parent or as a manager, you're doing it and you're teaching and someone's watching you. That's early on Jesus. He's doing it. He's healing. He's, he's teaching. He's reaching out to the broken and they're just watching. And then I do, you help. I think it's kind of like feeding the 5,000. It's like, all right, uh, go gather some, you know, fish and loaves, and then Jesus does the miracle, and he passes it out. Then you do, I help. Here's where Jesus is sending them out, and, and then he's just kind of there to, to make sure they're like, hey, we couldn't cast out the demons of this woman. Why is that? Let me step in, and let me t- teach you this kind can only be cast out by, by fasting and prayer. And eventually you do, I watch. As Jesus ascends into heaven, he sends out his disciples, and he's watching over us. But see, the end goal of apprenticeship, whether that's to Jesus or anyone else, is to do what that person does. And the end goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is to do what he did. i got to be honest, like this sounds so basic, but it's something that I don't think I've fully grasped much in my life. See, the goal is to become the kind of person that can carry on the work of Jesus, to usher in the kingdom of God. Kind of looking at the four Gospels, I just kind of made a, a list of about ten things Ten kind of categories of what Jesus did. And as apprentices, here's what we should be modeling. I think we got, got that list. We can throw that up there. Number one, it's preaching the gospel. Sharing the good news that anyone and everyone is welcome into the kingdom of God. Number two, it's teaching the way. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, kind of his, his way of living. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are the meek. To forgive those who hurt us. You know, to, to give Number three, healing the sick. Number four, casting out demons. Number five, eating and drinking with people far from God. This is one that Jesus modeled so very well for us. Oftentimes, he'd go to someone's house like Matthew and say, hey, you are far from God, but I'm going to go to your house and we're going to celebrate. And Matthew, bring all your friends. You know, you got some water. I'm going to turn it into wine. We're going to have a good time. You know, we're going to have some food. Number six, doing justice. Seven, peacemaking. Eight, praying. Number nine, prophesying. And number 10, standing up against religious and political corruption. Eventually, as followers of Jesus, our goal is to do all of these. Now, don't hyperventilate. This isn't like we have to do this tomorrow, or this is, but this is the end goal. 
That if we want to be like Jesus, it's doing these things of preaching the gospel, teaching the way, healing the sick, casting out demons, eating and drinking people far from God, doing justice, making peace, praying, prophesying, standing up against religious and political corruption. See, the goal isn't just to know all about Jesus. It's to join with Jesus in his kingdom work. Now, I know I'm losing some of you because you're like, well, but Jesus is the son of God. Like, he is God. He could do all those things. A normal person can't do those. But the problem is the disciples did those things. And we don't believe they were gods. And we look at the Old Testament, people like Moses and Elijah, and they did these amazing things because everything Jesus did, he did as a real, true human person, empowered by the Holy Spirit as an example for his apprentices to follow her. See, when God came to be born as Jesus of Nazareth, he set aside his God card. He set aside all his privileges of heaven, and he did what he did, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Same with his disciples, same with you and me. The things that Jesus did, we are called to do, and we can do too. I think the problem is we live in this very complex, challenging moment. I think it is true. It's harder to do mission now than even 10 years ago, even five years ago when we planted this church. Like, does anyone remember? Remember back when we used to get bored? Like, back in 1998, I think, you know? Like, before we had internet and smartphones, like now we have things to just occupy our time 24-7. We have all these distractions, so many good things, but they take away our time and attention. But we need to be intentional if we're going to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the things that Jesus did. We are invited by Jesus to work with him to create the future. I love this picture that we get to be time travelers. And you're like, what does that mean, Eric? I was trying to explain it to Kristen. She's like, I don't get it. But see, every time we love someone, every time we serve someone, we are traveling in time from the future to their past that is holding them captive. We get to be partner with Jesus to set them free from their past so they can have a future and a hope. Do you know someone in your life right now who you can just tell that father wound, that mother wound, that, that secret shame and addiction, that, that, that divorce, whatever that might be, it, it's, it's holding them back. They're, they're like a prisoner to their past. And the reality is they can't step into the future that God has for them until they get freed from that past. And so we get to help them be freed and find hope. Your future will either be created or you're going to be a prisoner of your past. We cannot step into our future if we're filled with fear and doubt. When God was building a family for himself, so that eventually Jesus would come and be born of that family, he looked out into all the world and just in his infinite love and grace, he selected a man named Abram who became Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you so that through you all the nations can be blessed. We spent our first year in the book of Genesis and spent a lot of time on Abraham. And God gave him this promise that from you is going to come someone, which is Jesus, who blessed the whole world. And, and on that day that he gave him that amazing promise, he brought him outside to look at the stars. Now here in the Twin Cities, sometimes you can see the stars, sometimes not so good. But if you've ever been up north or camping or somewhere, you can look out and you just the stars kind of just explode into the sky. And When God brought Abraham, he said, look at the stars. See, back then, and even today, a lot of times... People would see stars as a sign of your fate. Even now, sometimes when people will ask me, or I know they'll ask others, like, hey, what's your sign? And, and you know, astrology, and, you know, you know, are you a Virgo, or are you a Sagittarius, whatever that might be. And, you know, the thinking that 
who we are is set by the stars or just that fate holds us to who we are. But see, God didn't want Abraham to see the stars as a sign of his fate, but as a symbol of faith. God says, have faith that although you are old and your wife is old and you don't have a child, that you will be blessed. And Hebrews tells us that by faith, Abraham believed that he was not held captive by any kind of fate, but he could have faith and trust in God and that God would bring him a blessing and that through his family, Jacob would come. And Isaac and then Jacob and then Joseph and the 12 tribes and, and Jesus eventually. See, when Jesus came, he stepped into our story to save us from our pasts, to save us from our present so that we could have a future hope. Do you have a hope? You can be saved from your past, from the chains that are holding you back. When you are his, the future is yours. I want to invite you that if you have not bowed the knee to Jesus, you can do that. You can turn your life over to him and receive his free gift of salvation. And the Bible tells us if you believe and trust in your heart, you will be saved. And then Jesus invites us that next step is to be baptized. It's an outward expression of that inward decision to follow Jesus. That Jesus, in the same way that he was baptized, he was brought underwater and then brought up. It symbolizes him going to be buried in his, and then come up to new life. And so that's what we do as a church. We say, are you a follower of Jesus? And we want to go public with that and identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to be underwater and to come up. If you have not yet been baptized, I would love to invite you to do that. Next week, we celebrate our five-year anniversary as a church. And I don't like hauling our baptismal tank, but I would love to do that and do it out in the parking lot if anyone wants to get baptized. You can email me. You can put that on our connection card. Man, we would be so honored to baptize you. Maybe you have made that decision to follow Jesus, but you haven't yet taken that public step to, to identify with him, to, to go down in the water and to come back up. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's identifying with Jesus that, you know what, I'm your follower. I'm your Talmudim. I believe, I put my faith in you that, that I have a future and a hope in you, and now I want to join with you, Jesus, to share that message that God's kingdom has come near and that we can make a difference in his life. Would you join me in prayer? Just close your eyes and bow your heads. God, thank you there for sending your son, Jesus, as the long-awaited Messiah through the line of Abraham. And that all who believe in him as teacher and Lord, that we will be saved. God, I, I pray for us as a church, as individuals, God, that we wouldn't just know you, but we would do what you did, that you would give us the strength and encouragement to bring peace and justice, to bring healing and wholeness. Thank you, God, that we don't do this on our own strength. We do it empowered by your Holy Spirit. And God, I just want to pray right now, if there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching online who has not yet made that decision to become your follower, to bow the knee to you, to be your Talmudim, your disciple, your apprentice, God. Let's make that decision. If you want to make that decision, you just simply need to say a prayer that just says, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. It's not the whole conversation you have to have with God, but it's a great start. And God, I just pray for anyone who 
has made that decision to follow you, but just hasn't made the public uh, commitment to, to, to get baptized and to share with everyone that they want to identify with you, to be your follower, your disciple. God, I pray that they would take that next step in their spiritual journey. And God, that for each and every one of us this week, God, we would just take our next step to be your disciple, to be your follower. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite Ethan up here, and he's going to lead us just kind of uh, heading up into our kids' ministry videos, wrap things up. But real quick, uh, if you could pull out your smartphones, if you got them, wave them at me. If you could do me a favor, go on to mymosaicchurch.com or through our app, and just click on the online connection card, and just let us know you're here. That would be fantastic. We're trying to do a better job of, of that when people are here to know that, so that when people are missing a couple weeks in a row, that we can follow up with you. Hey, is everything okay? Anything we'll be praying about? And on that online connection card, you can also fill out any prayer requests. That goes to our prayer team. It's, it's a very select, small group of people who love to pray for you. Anything you get going on. So if you're watching online, you're here this morning, just fill out that online connection card. It's right on the, uh, the homepage of uh, mymosaicchurch.com. We'd love to be praying for you just to know. And then also, if you would like more information on baptism, maybe you're still just like, I don't even know. Maybe I was baptized as a baby, but I haven't as an adult. What does that mean? I'd love to have a conversation with you. You saw the videos for Alpha. That's kicking off uh, tonight, I believe. Um, and so there's still a couple spots. I think we have six, seven, eight people signed up, which is awesome. It's just an online. They'll be watching together and then discussing it. But it's just a great opportunity to, to, to grow. And then uh, we have small kicking off too. If you want to sign up for any of those, uh, you can do that online as well. We just want to help you take your next step spiritually uh, in your family. So I'm going to turn over to Ethan. He's going to set up our, our video, and then we're going to do our kids' ministry video.